0: Say the game is getting old, Monday morning and your coffee's cold, life is not what you want it to be, you need another chance to... Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction, my name is Jay Izzo and ho ho, hello, welcome to my world, guess what I've got, oh yes sir, yes ma'am, Culture Fix with the... Incomparable, the witty, the wise, the cultural strategist, the cultural ex- expert, all the way from—I'm going to say it right—Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, that's right. His name is Colin D. Ellis. He is joining us, folks. Let me just tell you something, right? I mean, it's culture. Cul- we we talk business culture all the time, don't we? Oh, uh, we talk about business culture, and so many of you. And look, I, I work with a lot of small businesses, and medium-sized businesses, and column works, you know, with major corporations too. And 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 and, you know, here's what we both have come to the conclusion of as coaches and consultants, right? Here's what it is: all, all of you want to talk culture. Oh, my culture of my business. But you know what? Really, the reality is we don't do anything with it. We really don't do anything. We say, oh, it's important. Oh, culture's important. But then we don't do anything with the culture. What are we doing, people? So I finally get Colin D. Ellis here talking about Culture Fix. Oh, my gosh. This book is amazing. Get it. That, I mean, seriously, go to go to Amazon right now. Get the book, okay? I'm just telling you, it's going to be worth the read. It's fantastic. He is he's funny right from the outset and in the book. And it is a comprehensive guide. And as he said, this is a how-to book. And this is literally the first how-to book I've seen on on culture and change. And so you need to get that. And we're going to be talking to him in just a second. But Let's do what we do every week. And you know what that is, right? I believe that we are four-part people, right? We are physical people, mental people, emotional people, and spiritual people, right? And you know, those four things are just really important to allowing ourselves to be the people who we are intended to be. So on a scale of one to 10, we're going to start looking at the first area of your life, the physical area of your life, right? And I'm not just talking about how you feel physically, I'm talking about what are you doing physically in terms of eating right, exercise, you know, getting the right amount of sleep, right, which is incredibly important. How are you doing? One is miserable, ten is outstanding, what is your number right now that I'm asking you out there, right? And and, and I listen, I, I know that some of you are listening live on CastBox FM and watching live and listening live on uh Facebook and, and some of you are listening on the radio stations, right? That uh, the Oak ninety three point five and some of you are listening podcasts and this may be you know who knows when you're listening to it, but you know what? It's still it's a great thing to do is to check in. So physically where are you at right now on that scale? All right. There's your first number, all right. So now let's go to the second level. Mentally. What do I mean by that? Well, if you think about it, your your brain really has two halves, right? It has the right side, which is more of your creative emotional side and then you have your left side, which is more of that logical mathematical side, right? And so if you really want to uh, mentally be better, you have to engage both halves of your brain, which means that you have to actively feed them. It's not sitting in a chair and watching TV or listening to an audio book. That's not necessarily actively engaging both halves of your brain. The question becomes, what are you doing? to actively, behaviorally engage both sides of your brain to help yourself grow in in knowledge and understanding and in wisdom, right? And so on a scale of one to ten, if you rated yourself one miserable, ten outstanding, how are you doing in that area, right? All right. And then, you know, with all these areas, there's two questions, right? The first question is, why are you that way? And then the second question is, what can you do about it right now to change it, right? So, so, okay, we got two numbers. We got a physical number and mental number. Now we got the third number, which is, a, which is the emotional number. And a lot of people have a hard time understanding how that emotional, number, emotional piece is separate from the mental piece. But emotionally, right, that's a little different, right? Because now we talk about in psychology, we often talk about things like emotional quotients or emotional intelligence. So I'm, I'm just going to make it really simple, all right? Two things I want to know from you in that same scale. One is miserable, 10 outstanding. One, how well are you able? to control your emotions under stress, and then secondly, how well are you able to literally tap in and understand the emotions of others? Uh, Colin's going to call it empathy. I like that word because it's really true. It's really what it is. So how well are you able to do both of those things? One, handle your emotions under stress and circumstances, and two, how well are you able to really tap in and understand the emotions of other people? Right, and if you do if you do those really well, right, you give yourself a higher number, right, because five is average. So, you know, if you say, you know, I really do that really well, Jay, Well, maybe it's a seven. Good for you, right? But same two questions apply here. You know, what the the, the two questions are? Well, first of all, why are you that number, right? And you know, kind of so that you do a little soul searching. And then the, the the second reason is what can you do to make it better? And by the way, if you're a three in this area, right? Um, let me just say, or whatever area, let's say you're a three. I'm not asking you to get from a three to a ten, okay? I just want you to get from a three to a four, or even a three to a three point five, okay? So don't don't think that you have to um, jump the scale, because that's not what we're trying to do here, okay? And then finally, the last piece, right, the spiritual piece, and and as I tell everybody everywhere, here's the deal: if you move the phys- if you remove the physical, the mental, and the emotional. Anything that you have left is pretty much the spiritual side of you, who you are, right? So what is it that gives you a sense of peaks? What is it that centers you? What is it that helps you come back to a state of knowing that uh, things are in a good place for you, right? Some people, it's God. Some people, it's nature. Some people, it's meditation. Some people, it's karma. It could be a variety of different things that people use to get themselves a spiritual place where that they can find a center and find themselves uh, with a sense of joy regardless of what's happening in the world. You know, sometimes for people, music touches, well, we say it all the time, right? Music touches the soul, right? Well, it's a spiritual thing that we're talking about there. So on a scale of one to 10, how is whatever you whatever your spiritual piece is? How is that working for you? So if it is God, how is that relationship working for you? If it's nature, how is that working for you? If it's meditation, how is that working for you? Because th- then what do you need to do to improve that? Or m- maybe what do you need to do to change it? Right? So uh, those are your four areas, and you got to think of those four areas like the like the chair, right? If if the four areas are uneven, right, and you're sitting in a chair, it really messes with your posture, right? And at the same time, if the chair is too low, right? It, again, is not a healthy place to be. So, what we want to do is we want to bring up all four areas and we want to bring them up and in the same way so that what you can be is in a healthy position, healthy posture so that you can be everything that you're intended to be. And speaking of somebody who is is doing what he's intended to do, his name is Colin D. Ellis. He is an award-winning international speaker, facilitator, and author of several best-selling books. Uh, his latest book, which is right here, Culture Fix. Uh, is, is available on Amazon. Uh, he, it, it literally is. This book, by the way, is literally the first how-to guide for building vibrant teams, departments, and organizational culture. He delivers speeches, and you know how I feel about my fellow, um, you know, speakers, uh, professional speakers, folks. When you hear him, you're going to want to hire him, so hire him immediately. And by the way, I'll have links to his. I have links to his uh, to his website, and the books will be on the blog post that comes with this um, audio. Uh, He delivers speeches, programs around the world that inspire and motivate individuals to become role models for others and to provide organizations with the skills to build cultures of success. He goes to extraordinary lengths to provide tailored experiences that live long in your memory, whether it's the way that projects are delivered or how teams work together or how to change the DNA of an organization. Well, I could tell you that Colin D. Ellis provides a practical guide and information on how to make change easy. He uses case studies, experience, and so much humor that he keeps people engaged and laughing forever, and he's currently living in Melbourne, Australia with his family. Please welcome to the show, everybody, and welcome to A New Direction, Colin D. Ellis.
1: Thank you, Jay. What I want an introduction. That it's gonna be, be really hard for me to live up to that eight-minute introduction. But I'll do my best.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know what? It's okay. You're gonna be, you're gonna be just fine. First of all, lo- love, lo- You're gonna be great because I know you are. I've, I've watched your videos. Uh, by the way, you can watch him on YouTube. Uh, he's got some outstanding, fun stuff. He's really, he's really a blast to listen to. So let's, let's just start digging into this uh, great book, Culture Fix, because you have said it and I have said it, that this is a how-to book. And why have we not seen more how-to books in culture prior to this? Yeah, great great question, Jay. Why haven't we? It used to frustrate the life
1: out of me. You know, I <laughs> as a as an employee myself of organizing big organizations in government, it's what I wanted. You know, people always said to me, CEOs were great at talking about it. Is we need great culture. What we need is, you know, we need a we need an awesome culture to deliver. I was like, cool. There weren't very many role models for me in in the business, Jay. So I would instantly go looking for the book, and it wasn't there. And and that's not to say there aren't some good books on culture there are yeah. but typically there's always a page at the back saying and hire me if you want to know how to do it right you know <laughs> it's like come on dude just give me the fourth thing let me try it myself then I might hire you you know uh, um so I think you know I I, I gen, generally I think people have put it in the too hard basket that, that they didn't want to write the uh, how-to guide because it, it's a lot of work to write and research but I thought you know I'll I'll give it a crack.
0: Well, I think you, I think you were extraordinarily successful here because I literally, as far as I'm concerned, whether you are a corporation or whether you're a small business, there the, all the all the information is here, and 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 you have really made it nice and palatable. And here here's the thing that kind of struck me that you wrote in the preface, and that is. There's going to be people, I I can hear it because I run into this too. I know you do too as a consultant because you said so. But there are people out there who go, I can't, you know, this will never work in my market, this will never work in my business, this is, this will never, you know, it's too hard, it, I, right? And you say, and I just love this. If I had a dollar for every time someone said, no, we couldn't, we, no, we could not do this in our company, or this sounds hard, or something like that, I'd have sixty-two dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> uh, it's because I had to cut someone off in mid-sentence once. <laughs> 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 I love that. It, it it's true, right. I mean, you've run across this, right? Cuz it's really true that people say this it it we can't we can't do that. Why is that? Yeah, they, they have the fixed
1: mindset going into it, Jay. You know, they they talk like exactly as you said at the at the top of the show here. They talk a really great game. Our oh, culture is the most important thing. We need to change our culture. Okay, it's going to cost a, it's going to take a year and it's going to cost about half a million dollars. Yeah, no, we don't want to do that. Can we just roll out Six Sigma? I've heard that works. Um, you know, they just they just don't want to kind of put their money where their mouth is because fundamentally of course what it's about is about changing human behavior and and they they want it I, there's some good intent there jay i, I think sometimes you know CEOs and senior managers now you know I was one myself there's some good intent there where we want to change the culture but actually what we really want to do is to change the results Mm. and so we get to a point where it seems really really hard to change the culture Um, and so we go for the things that we give that that will give us a kind of a short-term result change instead Um, you know and I still come across and and you'll be the same is you know when I meet with people it's like they want to know what the immediate financial return is Mm. and I'm like well it's not immediate like you know it, it could take anything up to 18 months you've got to be in this for the long haul but what you're going to do is create an organization that creates happy people happy people are more productive happy people are more engaged and as a result you're going to get better results but it's you know nine to 18 months uh, to see that and i think most people don't do it because they want that immediate result change
0: well, that's that's really true of human behavior in general, right? I mean, we we are not very good at long-term gratification. We want immediate gratification. And, yeah, true. Right, I mean, right as humans. So, and and yet, if we, <laughs> you and I both know this because we 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 we've both been around the block at least once. And so we we, we, we <laughs> at least. <months>. <laughs> so <laughs> there are people waving me. Go oh, there he goes again. <laughs> he, trust me, trust me. I I know they've seen me a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, there he is again. It's hair's gray. There he has, Did he color his hair again? That's what they'd say to me. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I think he changed his hair color. Is he shorter? <laughs> I don't remember. Did he put on some weight? <laughs> um, <laughs> he's, he's just wearing a towel. I don't know what's happened this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the thing is is that as we've been around long enough, we understand that the longer we've waited, actually the, the actually the payoff is higher mm. right and and I think one of the things that you just said there, and if people didn't catch it and they should have, is that you you have got to have the self-control behaviorally to say, I, I don't what I'm getting now, is not going to be nearly as good as what I'm going to get later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's so true. And, you know, you're absolutely right. It, you know, it is all about human behavior. The new year is a perfect example of that. We have all these people that, that have got these great intentions. They they have resolutions that they say, you know, hundreds and thousands of people join the gym. Right. They're kind of focused on the long term, but if they don't see results in two weeks, they just jack it in. <laughs> um, and, and so you've really got to stay focused on, well, what does that long term look like? How am I going to measure that? incrementally what are the things that i'm looking for that tell me that either this is working and i'm on the right track or it's not working and we're regressing and you know we need to do some things to get back Uh, To to where we were and I think, you know, certainly with workplace culture the goal always has to be Mm. long-term because Don't 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 get me wrong. You know, I've worked with I'm working with one organization. Their engagement went up 20% in three months uh, Because of the work that they did on culture, you know, I and you know, I'm not saying I did all of that What I did was provide some help and guidance at the start but then they really committed to it, Jay. They saw that 20% in three months. It gave them the real impetus to go again and to go again. Uh, um, but yeah, so it has to stay focused on that long term, knowing that you will get some short term, uh, I, I guess, gratification hits along the way.
0: Yeah. We're talking, I, you're, you're right. I agree with you. We're talking with Colin D. Ellis, uh, all the way from Melbourne, uh, Australia, uh, Culture fix. Um uh, is the name of the book. It's how to create a great place to work. But I've got to tell you, it's really more than that because it's really going to tell you how to create not just a great place to work, but I, at, it really does it really does lend itself how to make yourself more profitable, give yourself a better ROI, how to actually imp you know having the people that actually will implement strategy right, and uh, that's that's it's so critical to what uh, he talks about here in Culture Fix. So let's. Let's let's just dig in here. I I know you do not call them chapters, okay? But I numbered these for you, okay? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> Thank you. No no you. no, it's it's it, it was all that I could do. I decided to number the chapters for you because I was like I, I can't do it without chapter numbers. So but the chapters I'm calling it chapter one. But it, it, it the, the, because you say in the book that people can jump around and you know any chapter you want to go to you can go to, but I read it you know from beginning to end. And so the very first section is called what is culture. And I think that's really a good place to start because I don't know that business owners really understand when we say culture in the business sense, what is that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They don't understand it and and that's that's the root cause to most people's culture problems. It's a question that I ask a lot, Jay, when I, when I'm at conferences, you know, when when I start work, and it's a question that I ask in the book is of what what does it mean to you Mm -hmm. and and most people will say something like oh it's the way we do things around here i'm like okay cool break that down one level you know (laughs) what what then after that you know and, and 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 most people fail to realize in most organizations that it's the sum of everybody you know, I've seen so many CEOs uh, who've said, right, this is this is our culture and this is what we'll do. You know, it gets decided at a senior management away day, you know, somewhere at a winery in the country, which actually sounds quite nice when I talk about it like that. Uh, and then they come back and they say to the thousands of you know staff this is your culture and they go yeah no that that's not our culture that's your culture and you enjoyed it over a glass of wine <laughs> and 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 you know it, it's the sum of everybody's attitudes beliefs behaviors traditions skills but it's everybody it's the sum of everybody and so everybody gets a say in it and so when the culture's good that's everyone's doing their bit when it's bad everyone's not doing their bit. And whilst you might have one catalyst for that, then other people still have to challenge the way that those things get done. So it really is the sum of everybody.
0: Yeah, isn't that interesting? Because, you know, I think that most people, what they do is they, uh, the owner or the CEO or whoever it is decides, this is what my culture is going to be right? And, and they base it. And I think with good intentions, because they believe that this is what they are. And so then what they do is they put out their mission and their values and their visions, right? Based on who they see themselves are, but then it, it, it doesn't work and they get frustrated because the people aren't doing what I, I want them to do, or they don't do, they aren't doing it the way I would do it. And, and all of a sudden what you've done here is because you've, Tried to dictate a culture, and we know how dictatorships work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they never really work, right? Because the culture is the culture, right? I, uh, you know, when I, I remember it, when I wrote my very first book on social media, I remember saying to people, Facebook did not determine the culture; the people did. That's right. And 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 I think this is the this is the point that she makes out the book. It's your people who are really dictating the culture. Is that true?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. It's the people who dictate. A- absolutely true. You know, and I say, I, I say a lot to managers, like, you don't own the culture, but you've got the power to destroy it, you yeah. know, by the action or the inaction that you take, you yeah. know, and there have been some super high-profile cases. You only have to look at Travis Kalanick at, at Uber, uh, you know, when he when he verbally abused that Uber driver in that famous video a few years back and immediately he was sacked, as uh, you know, yeah. being the CEO of his own company. But he created that Uber culture. And they're still, you know, kind of living the ramifications. Of that today so everyone's got a role to play everyone's got to come in and and know what it means to be the best of themselves and then to actively be a part of creating something that's good now that's not to say Jay that the conditions are always right for you to do that you know I always say to people you know that there there are some people giving great advice out there but one of the things that I read a lot is well you've got two options with with if you're working in a bad culture either you stay or you go Mm You know, and yet I've been in the position where me and my family, you know, we didn't have any money, so I couldn't just leave a job. Right. But what you've got to know is that you're being the best of you and doing all the things that you can do to contribute to a great workplace culture. And where the culture is rubbish around you, then you actively create a great one yourself. And so, you know, the genesis of the book... For, for me was really thinking back over my 30-year career and saying well what was it that I did and what was it that me and my teams did to create great culture you know and what I share in the book is not only some case studies around the world but is, is, is the actual practical things that we did that people were like what are you guys doing over there and can I join in
0: you know yeah no I, I you're so right You're you're so right. You know what? We're with Colin D. Ellis. His book is Culture Fix, How to Create a Great Place to Work. It's it's far more than that. This is the first how-to book that I've seen on culture, how to get it right. And he's joining us here on A New Direction. Hey, did you know that A New Direction has a great sponsor with a great culture? Their name is Epic Physical Therapy. Whether you're recovering from an injury or surgery or suffering everyday aches and pains, maybe you're having difficulty performing activities of daily living, Maybe you're unable to perform the athletic activities that you've enjoyed, whether it's recreational or maybe it's a professional level. Maybe you're just looking to improve how you feel and move. Listen, the elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment plan tailored to your individual needs. With their experience in rehabbing young athletes to elite professionals, they understand the need to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or injury. Epic Relief epic recovery epic epic results you can learn more by going to www.epicpt.com that's e p i c p t.com and linda craft and team realtors no matter where you're at in the world linda craft and her team can help you find the right home and give you an unbelievable experience it's part of their culture they're known as the legends of customer service. They are in fact the relationship real estate agency. For 35 years they've been helping thousands of people all over helping them get their dreams made and do it with a smile on their face. So, if you want to learn more how you can be part of the legends of customer service, why not check out lindacraft.com. Just go to L I N D A C R A F T.com. And we're back here on a new direction with Colin D'Ellis and the Culture Fix. And we are just getting started. And uh, it, the book is an outstanding book. We've just been talking a little bit about culture. And, you know, I want to, Colin, go, I, I want to kind of dive into this thing because I, I think there's two things here that, are, that I find interesting. I think one in this book, I think the first is, you know, if you're starting a business, you kind of have a golden opportunity to start this your, you know, culture from scratch, right, with your people. If yeah. you're already in the middle of your business, changing your culture becomes a little bit more difficult. So, where do we start when it comes to fixing a culture?
1: Yeah, it, and and that's the thing that often puts us off, Jay, when we're in the middle. Is like, where do we start? Mm-hmm. And when you don't have that understanding of what it is, um, it's really really tricky. So you know, for me, I always I always recommend that people start by refreshing the the vision. Is you know, kind of what does the future look like? Where do you want to go? Because without without having a vision, you've got nothing to build the culture around. Mm-hmm. Now, the way into any culture, obviously, is through its personality of its people and how they talk to each other and we'll talk about that shortly Mm -hmm. but really at the heart of a great organization culture is a statement a short but really clear statement of what you want to become and for me that then you know kind of provides the guiding light um in 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 the culture that we need to build around it
0: got it and 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 here here's where here's where things start getting a little bit I don't know, get, get a little bit more. Now we're going to start moving into some technicalities here because, uh, by the way, I, you do have a, you do have a heading that says money alone can't fix culture. And the first thing I thought when I read this was, you know, if your culture is a problem and you throw more money at it, it's just a bigger problem. That was really the first thing I re- thought when you wrote that, I was like, Of course, that's what he's saying here. He's like, dude, don't think that money's going to fix this because if your culture's a problem and throwing money, it's just going to make the problem bigger. (laughs) Jay, I I had a call just last week from a guy who'd read the book over Christmas,
1: and he said, hey, listen, love the book. I've got a bunch of money to spend on culture. Let's do it. I was like... Okay, let's take the conversation back. Which picks of the book did you actually read? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he clearly he clearly missed chapter one. Uh, yeah. did. Uh, my, that's the J is a version. So you have a couple of you have an input and output culture models, and I'm mm-hmm. not sure where to start here because uh, there's a part of me that actually wants to start with the output before I start with the input, and and the reason why I say that is because I feel like people can relate that. There is this cross-sectional of cultures that they may be in, you know, whether it's combatant, vibrant, stagnant, or pleasant, and it's based on level engagem- of, of engagement and emotional intelligence. Do you think that's a fair place to start before we move? I, I
1: think it is, Jay. Whenever I would talk about my own – and, again, I always think about myself as an employee or as a, as a senior executive. I would always talk about the output model, always. When people say, oh, what's your culture like right now, I would talk about the output.
0: Let's go with that okay. then. Let's talk about let's talk about these because the goal ultimately is to be in a vibrant culture, right? So yeah. why don't we why don't why don't you describe for folks because maybe they actually have a vibrant culture they don't even know what that is. So what does a vibrant culture look like?
1: Uh, so a vibrant culture is where we where we collectively agree uh, how we're going to work together. We talk about the behaviors that we want to see, and then we hold each other to those. We celebrate success uh we uh we see failure as a learning opportunity jay we challenge each other because we know we do our best work on the edge of uncomfortable we continually invest in our own personal development and that means doing stuff at home uh ourselves to kind of stretch ourselves lots of social interaction and they're i guess inclusive and diverse by default
0: awesome which would which should be the goal of any business, right? So the, our yeah. go, our goal should be vibrant. But 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 you know what? I know that there's people out there, Colin. They go, yeah, that sounds all good. Oh, challenge to the uncomfortable. You know, can't we just be nice? So isn't that the pleasant culture? The... It's totally
1: the pleasant culture. It's totally the pleasant culture. Now, there's nothing wrong with being nice, right? Because it right. means that we're all good humans. Right. And in order to get to a vibrant culture, we have to know what it what it means to be a good, emotionally intelligent human being. Um, but in pleasant cultures, there's lots of blind optimism. There isn't much challenge. We allow procrastination to run rife. Um, we really – yeah, we, we meet – Day after day, hour after hour, about something we should have just taken a decision on, Mm -hmm. Uh, and we have lots of people agreeing to disagree, which is no good for anybody. Right.
0: So that's the that's the pleasant, right? Yeah. So then, but then you got this next group of people that kind of going, "Dude, just leave me alone." Come on, man. Just really, can we just, dude? We're just fine the way. Colin, we're can somebody can somebody get me a water I, I, come on man I, we're just right i think you call that is is that what we're calling the stagnant culture that's right
1: yeah it's giving me flashbacks Jay <laughs> yeah, <in> <laughs> just leave just leave me alone. Put your extroverted in that in that bag over there and take it away. Uh, yeah, it is stagnant culture where there's complete apathy for everything that we're trying to do. There's a hero mentality. There's an, an individual just sat at his desk just wants to do his own thing. It's always a he as well, um, and just people just getting in the way of change. Yeah,
0: that's stagnant. And then, and then there's this other group of people, right, that you could talk about. You know, you know the group I'm talking about, right? Because I got to tell you something, Colin. I am sick and tired of what I'm seeing around here, okay? Nobody seems to know what they're doing. I'm telling you what. I'm, I'm about – you know what? I'm about to rock the boat here, folks, because I've had enough, all right? I think we called that the combatants. Or is that the combatant culture?
1: It it is the only thing you didn't do there was bang the table, lots of banging the table, lots of, lots of finger pointing.
0: Dude,
1: dude, what's going? Only there's only me round here who knows what's going on. Why weren't you involving me? Yeah, that brilliant jerk mentality. Yeah, yeah. lots of friction, lots of bullying. People thinking they can throw their weight around. You know, uh, lots of people putting lots of pressure. A lot of poor behaviours and and nothing being done about it. Yeah, that's uh, combatant culture.
0: So so we we're gonna we're probably. There's, there's two things that I think come out of the well, several things, but two things that really stand out to me about this when you talk about this output model of vibrant, pleasant, stagnant combatant is that it, your culture in your business could be all of one of those things, but you could have subcultures that actually could take on elements of all of them.
1: Yeah, and, and and so for lots of organizations, Jay, what you'll find is somebody in one team will be like, no, if only I worked on that team, those guys seem to have lots of fun. Right. So that's someone looking into a vibrant culture. They're still getting the job done, but they're having fun at the same time. And great organization cultures, and it doesn't matter whether you're a sports team. You know, one of the case studies I use around an NFL team is that, is that you could have a great subculture within your tackle right. uh, area and uh, within your, your defense, but not in your offense. Right. And so the two don't work together on the team, and you, and, and you'll see a lot of that. It's the same in, in, in different organizations. And really, everyone's got to work hard to get their own subculture right in order to contribute to the overall organization culture.
0: You know, it's really interesting. I played college uh, football here and a little bit beyond uh, in, in the States and, and when I'm in, I say, in American football, uh, I know it, it's, it's a little touchy subject because the pitch, the, the, <laughs> don't get me started. Yeah, no, 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 know The pitch, the pitch <laughs> is the pitch. I got it. Uh, but American football. And you know, what's really interesting is that, uh, it many times there was this offense against defense thing, right? Mm. And, and then many times uh, it would even get into a subpart so that there's the defensive line and then there's the linebackers and then there's the right. defensive backs. And so then what would happen is that even that became separated because we, we all hung out together. I was a defensive lineman, so all of us big, you know, bigger guys we kind of all had the same lockers together we didn't really talk a whole lot right with those other guys and and we didn't hang around with them and so it ended up being like almost like you know several different cultures even though we were supposedly on the same team and yeah. and and that happens in business you know as well but i don't think we pay attention to it nearly uh, that way right i, I I'm a-
1: yeah, and we don't embrace it, Jay. We, we we don't acknowledge that actually it's okay. We end up calling them silos because we think mm-hmm. they're really bad things. When when those silos, providing that they're vibrant, are really good things. Mm-hmm. Not only that, we need those vibrant kind of subcultures uh in you know, in order to be
0: successful. So this is where the input model that you created, the six pillars that support the culture this is where I think, that, I think this is why I really wanted to go this route, is because once everybody says, okay, we got the vibrant, the pleasant, the stagnant, and the combatant, then it's kind of like, okay, well, well, what do I do? What do I do to kind of get myself in that and in, into that vibrant area? And this is mm-hmm. where your six pillars uh, become crucial uh, to me. And, and I think this is where they hang on themselves because ultimately what you're getting at is we want to get you into a vibrant culture. So let's, let's just start working through these pillars if you're okay with that. Uh, And, and let's, 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 let's just kind of go. Are you okay doing it that way?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely right. Because really once you've identified where you are, it's a case of, okay, well, which of the pillars needs most work? And that's where you should start. Yeah.
0: Okay, great. So, so the pillar number one that you have on here is personality and communication. That's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's the first pillar. So when we're talking when we're talking personality communication explain to us what what it is that you're trying to get at and then what do we need to be aware of if we're trying to change our culture
1: Well the you know the way into any culture is through the personality fits people and the way that they communicate with each other which I mentioned before Jay so really if you want to change the status quo what you've got to do really is to really start with this because only by working together can you collectively change anything right you know as, as as human beings we're hardwired to work together but there's something standing in the way and it's either the way that we talk to each other or the fact that we have kind of low self-awareness mm-hmm. you know and this was uh it's something that i realized in 2006 is that actually when you give people the knowledge of themselves, what the things that they're good at, the things that they're not so good at, and then that they create an action plan for their own change, which they're able to share with other people who can then hold them accountable, that's where change really starts to happen. Because remember, to change cultures, we're also going to need to change one or two things about ourselves. Mm. And so, you know, and and I know as someone who's studied Goldman's work on emotional intelligence, this is where emotional intelligence is key. Because what we typically do is put all of our emphasis on on the technical side of things now it's important that you've got the technical skills because you still got to be able to do your job but it's only through kind of understanding yourself understanding your own emotions being able to manage your own emotions understanding the emotions of another so you're able to show empathy and build connection can you ever ever uh, get to the point where you're able to communicate effectively and work well together. Uh, so that's why that that pillar is crucial if you want to change.
0: Yeah, the, the emotional intelligence of the team uh, is that you talk about here, you know, that self-aware people are much more likely to be able to recognize and manage their own emotions. And one of the things that you point out a piece of Daniel Goleman's research on emotional intelligence, you say that he says, IQ only contributes twenty percent to determine life success, Mm. and the remaining are eighty percent. A large part of that is your emotional quotient. That's right. And and I I think what we do is we do not, man, we do not really understand. And I don't know. Maybe you have a way of doing this, but how do you get people to really understand that your emotional intelligence is critical? to not just your personal success but the success of business how do you go about doing that well you,
1: you'd be surprised to learn jay that i'm fairly upfront. i'm fairly forthright about this <laughs> really? i've got lots of say <laughs> 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 who knew right? who knew i could be up and forthright uh i use lots of humor as well I, I i think for too long humor's been missing in business i think you know i went to so many Courses that were well-intentioned, but that were super super boring that you know, I would I would switch off and so I you know, I lot, lot, Lots of cases, you know, and, and I get people to look at themselves in the mirror. We have periods of self-reflection um, and And, you know, really put the emphasis on on people holding each other to account. So I use a personality survey, but not in the way that most people would use a personality survey, because I often feel that personality surveys try and put you in a box. Mm. Um, And so I talk honestly and openly about some of those things that we see play out day to day Mm. within your personality to get people to see that actually, you know, we're all humans. We're all ever so slightly different, but only through kind of grabbing that thing that it that we're not so good at and applying a five percent change to that kind of every month over 12 months can we ever hope to get personally better and be happier and 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 to contribute and so i put the real emphasis on happiness
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because I, I i think that's something that we every human wants to be is happy um so that's where i place my emphasis
0: yeah i I, I just I just feel like this emotional intelligence piece is so critically important and yet so ignored in culture, and and I and I don't mean just cult business culture. I mean in, in, in our world we don't we don't really we don't understand that our emotional our emotions are intentional and that we can we actually have control over them. I'm not saying it's easy. You also say this in the book. It's not some of these things aren't easy to do, but it's called self control. And that you can manage these, you know, your emotions. You can manage these, baby, and you can learn to do so e- even better, yeah. right? That's right. And and I think there's a lot of
1: people, Jay, who who have given up already. Uh, and who's and organizations have given up on their personal development too you mentioned it at the start of your show um we're, we're capable of so much we're capable of so much um what we've got to do is put a little bit of time a little bit of effort in investing in ourselves recognizing that we'll never be the smartest people in the room and to really you know go at our personal development as something that we want to achieve every year it's you know it's something that's been you know i turned i turned 50 last year um Oh, there's usually a sharp and take a breath because it doesn't look like that on photos okay, that's okay.
0: <gasps> um, no, yeah, tell me there, it's there it oh is. you haven't been you haven't you been around the block this. nearly as much um, as I am. Okay.
1: And uh and you know, I never want to be that guy that's out of touch with what the world's doing today. I never want to be that guy who, who sits back and go, right, well, I've done my bit now, and it's it down to everybody else. I never want to be that guy who, when my kids are talking at me, because that's generally what it is, I'm like, what are they talking about? And yet, I think so many people have just given up on themselves, and so many organisations have too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a testament to that is the fact that we call emotional intelligence soft skills. Mm-hmm. And also, when money's tight, the first thing that goes is the learning and development budget. Mm. the one thing that you need in order to give employees the opportunity to be the best
0: version of themselves mm. so so beautifully said thank you for saying that by the way his name is colin d ellis uh here and the book is called culture fix how to create a great w- place to work it's so much more it's also creating more profits for your business i can promise you it is the how-to book not, not a how-to book it is the how-to book in fixing your culture and getting a, literally a, a, a place of change and a great place of change, and he's here with us on a new direction. Hey, you know what? New Direction has a a new sponsor, and they have joined us, and that is Epic Physical Therapy. You know their facility, which by the way I've been to because I'm a I'm a you know gym hound. I have been for most of my life. Uh, even as a kid, I just loved the gym and and I've been there and I'm just going to tell you it's it's one of the most advanced facilities when it comes to physical therapy that you will ever see They have top of the line equipment. they have the alter G it's the uh, anti-gravity treadmill unbelievable takes pressure off your joints so that you can uh, actually start to rehab they have a Norma, they have the normatech compression sleeves to help you uh, build and and you know correct your muscles and 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 actually help you grow. Uh, muscles in the right way. And then they have the game ready, which is a compression sleeve that will just help take the swelling out of whatever different body part that you have. I've had it done in my knees. It's unbelievable. They are trained and certified in the most comprehensive, cutting edge treatments available as well. Here's just a few uh, blood flow restriction therapy. You may have heard of that. Dry needling. Uh, I, I've tried that, telling you what great relief that is. And then cupping. If you've ever seen the swimmers with those little circles on their back, that's from cupping, and I've had that done. I'm just telling you, it's terrific relief. Listen, if you want epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, why not just go to Epic PT? Just that's EpicPT.com, E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And also, Linda Crafted Team Realtors. No matter where you're at in the world, they can help you sell your home or find your next home. And why is that? Well, even though they're located in Raleigh, North Carolina, here's the thing: they've been around for 35 years. They are unaffiliated with any national brand. Which allows them to go out and find the best realtors anywhere in the world so that you can get the best experience possible. They're not they're not committed to just one company. They're committed to all of them. And so they're looking for the best people for you. Which is why, part of the reason why they have have been a culture for thirty five years that has been known as the legends of customer service when it comes to real estate. And I could tell you one thing, if you go to their office on seventy three hundred Six Forks Road in Raleigh, First thing they're going to do is they're going to look you in the eye, give you a big smile and say, how about a bottle of water? I know it sounds weird, but it really is what they do because they really want to get to know you because they know that your dreams, that that your home is your home and they want to make a relationship with you because you've had a relationship with your home and they want to give you the best possible service that they can. And so you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com, that's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're here back with. Uh, Colin D. Ellis, and we're having a lot of fun, by the way, uh, He he's a trip, and I've enjoyed him, and he's so stinking smart and uh, knows so much about culture, and the book is a how-to book, Culture Fix, and uh, I'm going to backtrack a little here because I'm about to get into these pillars, but I, I I, started, as I'm looking through my notes here, I started to realize, Colin, that one of the things that is a challenge for many business owners or c suite or the people who make these decisions, they could be senior level executives, is the value of culture. And and that is, does, does the culture really, if I change culture, does it really have value? And you actually talk about that in this book, that there is plenty of research out there that demonstrates it. Can you give us a few?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it, it, you know, Jay, it's one of the things that it, it, the questions that I, one of the questions that I get all the time to the point where I've written a business case for companies so that they don't have to do it themselves. I'm like, here's your business case, right? You don't have to do that now let's let's talk about something else you know dutch bank dutch bank ing um who i use as a case study in the book they decided that they were going to change their culture in 2014 they had lots of of competition they recognized that it would take between nine to 18 months they started with an emotional intelligence program they got rid of a lot of people with poor behaviors they said we're not going to tolerate this anymore you know so they had real guts and determination um and the the um their income rose by two billion dollars mm. in just over two years. Mm. Two billion dollars. You know, and they put that down to the work that they did on culture. So, you know, and I know the numbers are different for from banking, but you know, Gallup. what Gallup found was that organizations that take the time to work on their culture, 17% higher productivity, 10% higher customer satisfaction, 20% higher sales, 21% higher profitability these are all incredible numbers right. if you just took the time um to to really work hard on your culture now it might cost a little bit of money but you'll certainly get the return certainly
0: yeah this is the thing this is the thing. there was two things in that list that Gallup did in that 2017 study that I I looked at it was not only was the company you know I was looking for certainly you know how are they becoming more profitable but also that the company was saving so much money. There were less accidents, like 60% less accidents. Well, how much does that save a company? And if you yes, have, that's right. Yeah. Right? I mean, so if you're saving that kind of money, if you're having 60% less, 59%, 59% less accidents are happening. What is the company? How does that affect profitability? If you're not having <laughs> to spend that money, that's a that's a ton of money. <laughs> I, you know, someone asked me the question
1: last year. Jay. he's like, so just give me, just give me one statistic that demonstrates how I can get more, uh, more productive as an organisation. I was like, your staff want to come to work. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, what? That's it? I was like, yeah. Gallup found forty percent uh, lower absenteeism. Your staff want to come to work. If more staff are in work, more work gets done. Is that something you can understand? Oh,
0: okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, then to make that right, but it's really a, it's a simple test, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. Do your it's people want? All. Do people want to come to work there? <laughs> I mean, it's really it's. I mean, you want to know. I wonder if my culture is okay. Do your people like coming to work there? Uh, no. Yeah, that's right. Well, that. How how many people are checking <laughs> Facebook in the bathroom
1: right now? <laughs> That's a, that's a sign of how good your culture oh. is. Don't go in and check right now,
0: people. Just ask. I, I'm I'm telling you, there's people. There are people right now going, "Oh my God, our culture is combatant, or we're stagnant, or oh, we're really nice people." But we, you know what? You know what we are, we're just pleasant, right? I want to be vibrant. Yeah. I want to be in a vibrant culture. That's I I, I know what's going exactly on. Right. I, exactly right. I know I I know what I know what they're hearing right now. So let's let's move let's let's move ahead a little bit here and let's let's talk about vision and uh. There, are, you, you, you bring up that there are two problems often in strategy. One is the disproportionate time they spend developing it in relation to working with the culture to deliver it, and then how quickly they're abandoned cult- culture when the financial year gets started. So then you move on to say, in your view, there's a good strategy. And you start by saying, set a direct and achievable marker for the year. And it should light a spark in people. Do you know where I'm going there from that? Yeah, I do. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I know where you're going. So you can, are, yeah.
0: can you can you talk a little bit more about how that fits into vision with a good strategy in the Colin Ellis view?
1: Uh, Yeah, the strategy tends to be a very practical view of where the organization wants to be in three years. We used to write five and ten year strategies, which were ridiculous. Um, But even now with kind of one and three year strategies, we spend like six months writing them. And then, you know, as I mentioned, at the start of the year, we're like, okay, well, this has happened. So let's not do that anymore. What the vision does is it paints a picture of the future that people really want to be part of, that they're able to look at and go, well, that sounds awesome. I want in. I want to be part of that. Um, you know, and I and I use some some examples in the book. You know, Holly Davidson's vision is one that I love. We fulfill dreams of personal freedom that really then acts as a kind of marker for everything that you're trying to do. It acts as a point for decision making. So oh, let's develop a new let's develop a new bike. All right, cool. Does it line up with the with the, you know, kind of we fulfill dreams of personal freedom? Well, it will increase sales. Yeah. But does it line up to the vision? Have we got enough bikes to do that right now? Are we going to retire an old model? You know, is a new service that we're going to add? And so it really acts as a beacon. Um, And people, you know, when people talk about who they work for, when you get your vision right, they talk about the vision. You know, New Zealand rugby uh, team, you know, they inspire and unify New Zealanders. What, what do you do? I play rugby. Oh, yeah. What do you do? Oh, I inspire and unify New Zealanders. Wow. Mm. You know, and they talk in terms of vision. So it really is that spark that when people read it, they're like, yeah, I want in. I want to be part of that.
0: Yeah, you you make a real big point uh, about this that you say that you, there's 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 some questions that you should ask, that we should ask when it comes to vision. One is, does the vision statement act as a motivator for the staff and the subcultures that work within? I think that's a great question, because you know, I, I I don't think we're thinking about vision in the same way. I think we just throw it out there, and then we go, well, it's it makes a really really if we put a really neat frame on it, it's really nice on the wall. That's what I think we think a vision is, a vision statement. And then yeah. right, and then you, you you ask the next question, does the activity we undertake each day align with the vision? Which means that the vision is driving our day to day. That's driving our. It should be driving our day to day activities, our day to day behavior within the business, right? Yeah, it sh- that, that's what a vision does. That's
1: if you want to get to the future. That's you know, it's got to affect. You know, it, it, it's like we said with New Year's resolutions. Essentially, a resolution is a vision of yourself mm-hmm. in a year's time. You know, we, we dial it down to practical level um, and say, oh, I want to learn a language, which is one of mine this year. I want to learn a foreign language. But that's a vision of myself. And so is, the, is me watching Game of Thrones getting me any closer to being bilingual? Mm. Well, well, no, although I'll probably find a way to try and argue that it is. Well, yes, you know, one day I might <laughs> need to speak that language. Um, it's not. And so it should act as that motivator uh, and, and, you know, every day.
0: So watch Game of Thrones in Italian.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. am watching with the <laughs> subtitles on.
0: <laughs> I just, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, so how do we, so, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, how is that different than a mission? Vision versus mission.
1: Yeah, great question because we get a lot of these things uh, mixed up. You know, a vision is an aspirational statement of the future. It's about this is what we want to become. Where a mission is really a statement about what the organization exists. To do. Mm. This is what we're about. You know, and one organization said, Oh, we just, we just read on our mission statement, but it's not really lighting the staff up. I was like, Well, the mission is just about what you do. So they'll read it and go,
0: Yeah, that, that's what we do.
1: It's just not going <laughs> to light anybody up.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. You got it right. Yeah.
0: There, there, there it is. There, there it is. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, that's so funny. Let's move on <laughs> to, the, to the big one here, though. The, the next, the next pillar is values. And I got to tell you, this this one really hit home with me because on page 73, this is what you say, and I'm going to quote you. It says, unless unless values are practiced consistently at every level of the organization, they become mere words in an annual report or on a poster or a webpage that matter little to those who work in the culture. That's beautifully done, by the way
1: yeah uh, the you know values is it's is really the belief system of the organization for me these are the, the the most critical thing and 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 of course all of this stuff is important in right. in its own way of course right, it is right. but from from a values perspective if you don't fundamentally share that that kind of organizational belief system and then stick to it jay it's it's all going to fail it's all going to fail you
0: yeah, you know you you have a section in here on how does a values-driven organization act. And I want to tell you, all of these are great, right? They they give their values away. They live their values inside and out. They bring their values to life in everything they do. But here's the one that got me because I know it's not being done in every business. and it's And they don't understand that it's a cultural thing. They hire based on their values, not on competence. Talk about that. Yeah
1: yeah yeah and you know I spoke to a lot of organizations when I was researching the book and say okay tell me how that goes you know, and, and Zappos is a case study that I use in the book. I think I use it in the values section yep, as well. It's a, that's a big one. And they're, they're uh, based in, in Las Vegas. And I was there last year. Got to ask a, a number of questions. I said, okay, t- tell me about the hiring process. Tell me what you do. And it's like, oh, well, you know, essentially we want to make sure that people have got the right technical skills. Although if, if they demonstrate in the uh, the resume that they understand the values and what they stand for, then they'll generally get an interview. But the head of HR says, we he said, we don't get a say in really any of the process except when it comes to values. Mm -hmm. And we do a values interview, and we ask questions based on our values. And I think the the number one value is deliver wow through service. Mm -hmm. So they would ask questions like, what does deliver wow through service mean to you? And and he said sometimes people will come in having not prepared for the interview. Well, they're not the people that we want Mm -hmm. because we want people to be prepared every day when they come to work. So if they haven't read our values on the website, then it's not going to work. Um, if they give an answer that kind of demonstrates that we don't have a good values match, he said that's the only place where we get a say and we can say this person technically is a really good fit however we're vetoing this recruitment because they're not a good values match and he said sometimes the 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 head of the department will you know they'll get into quite a heated discussion it's all highly emotionally intelligent he said but we have the cast and vote and so they make sure that they only hire people who share the same values that the organization has consequently they hardly have they hardly ever have to performance manage people because they get the hiring process right
0: see this is it just makes so much stinking common sense. Does it not make common <laughs> totally, sense? If, Jay, if, totally, I mean Totally common sense. If yes. you hire to your values, guess what? You're not having to micromanage your people. Why? Because you hired to the values. They're in alignment. You are not gonna be stagnant. You are not gonna be combatant. You are not gonna be pleasant. You're gonna be more vibrant because you hired your values. Oh my. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. But I read it and I got more frustrated because I'm like going, why are you – why do you even have values if you're not going to hire them?
1: Absolutely. It, Absolutely. It,
0: yeah. it makes no sense. All right. Quickly, let's let's run the pillar number four, behavior. Uh, cause yeah, we're
1: not, behavior, big one. But that's, that's,
0: uh, that's, the, that's huge because behavior is everything, right?
1: Behavior is everything. Look at the Houston Astros right now. It's all about behaviour. All about behaviour. Right. Um, and it's about management behaviour, and it's about player behaviour, and everyone, everyone is responsible. Uh, but what we're seeing there is behaviour running right. Poor behaviour is not being dealt with. Don't get me going on MLB's response to the Houston Astros scandal. Right. Um, but behaviour is everything. And unless we do something about it, and unless senior manager's role model what they're looking for then behavior is always going to get in the way of progress always
0: several things um, first of all i studied under bf skinner's last student and so okay. i'm a big behavior guy mm. uh and one of the things you say the key to changing behavior is knowing how to control your behavior mm. that's powerful and then you take a quote from george bernard shaw and you say and he says people are always blaming their circumstances for what they are I don't believe in circumstances. The people who get on in this world are the people who get up and look for their look for the circumstances they want. And if they can't find them, they make them. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, brother, I got to tell you man. I mean, we we don't under we under we're not we're not paying attention, right? I mean, Jim Rome, right? You quote Jim Rome. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I mean, behavior's huge. Right. I mean, I mean, this is how this is how we're going to change, isn't it? Yeah, it is. How we're going to change, you know, and and the the George
1: Bernard quote was something that was, you know, that was really dear to my heart, because when I was working in government, Jay, there was pressure on me to conform to poor behavior. And I'm like, I'm not that guy. I said if I have to leave I'll leave but I'm not that guy. I'm going to work to change the way that you think about that behavior. You know, I I joke on stage all the time. It's like if people think you're an idiot, you might want to look at your friends first um and then look at yourself in the mirror.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's brilliant. That is so brilliant. Good for you. Do you realize do you realize we've almost been on an hour? Yeah. We, Enough. Yeah, I'm telling yeah. you. It's been, by the way, this has been a blast. And we did not make it through the whole book, of course. And, and <laughs> we didn't, we I didn't. I just
1: assumed this was a four hour show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. it's Considering the guy just got up, you had to get up early to do the show in Australia. Uh, his name is Colin D. Ellis. The book is Culture Fix. So, Colin, here's what I do uh, at the end of the show. I tell my friends, because you're no longer a guest, you're now a friend of the show, and uh, I, I got a feeling you and I are going to be friends for a long time. <laughs> um, so I ask, the show's called A New Direction, because we try to help people find a new direction in success and leadership in their lives, careers, and business. So if you could leave the listeners uh, a new direction based on your book, Culture Fix, what would Colin D. Ellis say?
1: I'd say, Jay, don't settle for average you. You're, you're capable of so much more than you think you're telling yourself stories that get in the way of your own progress. You can create a vibrant culture wherever you are. It doesn't matter whether you've got two employees or 200 employees, you can create a vibrant culture that becomes the beacon for everyone else within your organization. Don't hold yourself back with your own fixed mindset thinking if I can do it, you can just get to it.
0: That's Awesome. His name's Colin D. Ellis. The book, Culture Fix, available Amazon, bookstores near you. Get it, read it. I, just, j- folks, just, just get it, please. I'm just <laughs> telling you, just get the book. Uh, we'll have the links to the sh- on the show on the on the um, um on the show page, and you'll see them all over social media, folks. You know what I say every week? Be inspired, because if you're inspired, that means you'll inspire someone else. And when they're inspired, that means they inspire others in turn, and that can make this world a great place. I'll be back next week with another great guest and another great book. And as I say every week, ciao, everybody. Your confidence and the answers don't make sense. You've got to keep your hope alive, You've got to know you can survive. This is your